Welcome to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. If you're listening to this podcast, it must be a Monday. Every Monday, I do a statistical deep dive into a different market located in the Tri-County, South Florida area of Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach counties. This week, we're going to be focusing on the market of Coral Gables. It's a suburban market that's located just outside of uh, Greater Delta, Miami, and just nearby the neighborhood of uh, Miami called uh, Coconut Grove, just across the street from it, effectively US-1, you're going to get into Coral Gables. So let's go ahead and let me give you an update about what this podcast will be like, and then we'll take a commercial break before we get into our research. What I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on the condo market in Coral Gables, the luxury condo market in Coral Gables, the distressed co- condo market in Coral Gables, and finally the rental market in Coral Gables. Not everybody's looking to rent out their unit if they buy it down here in South Florida, but if you do, you ought to have an idea of what um, rents are going for currently. A couple tidbits to keep in mind. Um, one, all of the statistics I'm going to be referring to, they're coming from the Southeast Florida MLS matrix. The Southeast Florida MLS matrix, it's effectively a database that uh, people who have a real estate license, they join a club, they pay $1,000 a year. That club is called the Realtor Association. Uh, one of the primary perks of the of the $1,000 a year is using this database called the MLS. This is where realtors make places available for rent as well as for sale. It's also what uh, a lot of realtors use to um, work with buyers and our tenants to find out the properties are going to be located in. So that's the source of all of the statistics. The second point to keep in mind is if you want to see any of the data that uh, is referred to in this podcast, go to condovulturesrealty.com, condovulturesrealty.com, scroll down to the middle of the page, and there you'll see a whole series of reports where we break down uh, what's going on in each market, um, again, on the same basis of condos, luxury condos, distressed condos, as well as the rental market. So all that being said, um, I want you to, um, I want to remind you that uh, if you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, um, I'd encourage you to do so uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like what we're doing, leave us a comment and a rating. So um, the more comments and ratings we get, the more likely we are to spread our message and work towards accomplishing our mission, which is bringing straight talk to an overhyped South Florida real estate market. And finally, if you have a comment for us, uh, please send a complaint, a compliment, a question, a statement. Send it to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. All the comments we receive, um, we read on um, our Reporters Roundtable podcast, which airs every Wednesday. So, all that being said, fasten that seatbelt, lean back, and get ready to learn all about the Coral Gables condo market. This is Peter Zalewski of the Condo Vultures podcast. Before I started doing these podcasts, I basically was in the business of being a licensed real estate broker, a contributing um, columnist for the Miami Herald, as well as the Miami a real deal, but also expert witness work in consulting. So if you are looking for an expert witness or if you're looking for consulting services, a straight talk perspective as to what's going on in a particular marketplace, a building or what happened previously for whatever your situation is, whether you are a an attorney, whether you are a institutional fund looking to invest or whether you're a lender who's trying to come up with some sort of a strategy and approach uh, for your lending committee going forward, I just might be able to help you. To get a hold of me, please uh, reach out to peter at condovultures.com. That's peter at condovultures.com. Or give me a call to the office at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859. If you're enjoying the Condo Vultures podcast and you want more information, but this information in the written word as well as charts, why not sign up for the South Florida Distressed Market Intelligence Report? To do so, go to condovulturesrealty.com slightly below the main banner and logo, you will see a sign-up box. It's called the South Florida Distrust Market Intelligence Report sign-up. Simply enter your email address, hit subscribe, and lo and behold, every week you'll be sent a newsletter 
giving you the latest updates on what's going on in the distressed market in South Florida. Welcome back to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm Peter Zalewski. We're going to be talking about condos in the Coral Gable market um, in this particular segment of the podcast. Before I do, let me give you a little bit of background about Coral Gables. And uh, this is coming from Wikipedia. So Coral Gables is officially the city of Coral Gables. It's located in Miami-Dade County. It's located southwest of downtown Miami. United States Census Bureau in 2009 said that Coral Gables has a population of about 49,700 people. About 49,700 people. If you look at the density of Coral Gables, uh, it's real interesting. The population estimated 2019, 49,700. If we go back to 1930, U.S. Census Bureau says there were just under 5,700 people living in the county. So you can see it's grown tremendously just in that um, that period of time. Um, interesting thing about Coral Gables is it tends to be a location for a lot of multinationals. Um, many organizations, whether they're based in the United States or they're based in Europe and they want to do business in Latin America, what they'll do is they'll set, a, uh, set up a regional headquarters in, um, in the South Florida area. Increasingly, or most likely, they're going to located in Coral Gables. One of the reasons is the uh, fantastic uh, school system as well as the fantastic um, um, homes in downtown area that exists as well as proximity to Miami International Airport which uh, if you are working in Latin America or if you're servicing Latin America it's uh, you know that proximity really can sort of become an asset and come in handy. Now in terms of Coral Gables and the condo market let's get into it a little bit here. Currently there's about 156 condos on the market in Coral Gables 156 in 2020 January through December you had about 240 46 trade about 246 sell so uh, in the 12 month period 246 sold if I take the 246 I divided it uh, by the 12 months in the year I come up with an average of about 21 condos trading every month 21 units every month so if I take the 20 the, the, the pace of sales which is 21 units a month I divide into what's available which is 156 I then find out that we have just under eight months of supply eight months of supply eight months isn't necessarily a bad situation it does reflect based on the rule of thumb of six months being equilibrium with less than six months being a seller's market, more than six months being a buyer's market. So it suggests that Coral Gables has a bit of a buyer's market, but it's nothing, um, it's reasonable, let's say, uh, compared to other parts of South Florida, like down to Miami and Miami Beach, where it's Sunny Isles Beach, where the amount of supply is just, you know, it's definitely outpacing uh, the amount of transactions. Now, in terms of uh, pricing, what does pricing go for in the Coral Gables marketplace for condos? Well, the average asking price is just under $1.1 million. 1.1 in 2020, January through December, you had uh, the average transaction price of 482100 bucks, 482100 just under that. So what does that mean? That means that the asking price today in the Coral Gables is about 119% greater than the average transaction price in 2020. Now, generally speaking, based on um, doing research and data and um, analyzing it and talking about it and writing about it for a number of years, typically when there's about a 20% difference between the asking price and the average transaction price in a building or a neighborhood, you tend to get some activity because it shows that uh, you know the buyers and sellers, they're not far apart, and if they want to do a deal, they can sort of bridge that gap. Now, when that difference comes about 8 to 12%, then the deal actually tends to transact. Now, when I see that the price per unit is $1.1 million in the asking price on average, is, or um, the average transaction price last year was $482,100, it shows me that uh, many of the sellers in Coral Gables are just out of, um, they're out of tune to really what the market sort of justify. So if you are a buyer and you're looking to play in the Coral Gables marketplace, I'd encourage you, uh, you know, throw out some offers. Don't necessarily jump at the first thing, even though there's a lot of talk about single family house market being so strong and there's no, no supply to choose from, you can see from the Coral Gables market, it's not necessarily the same case where it's a commanding seller's market like in single family houses. Condo market is a different story. Now, as 
important as the uh, price per uh, unit is uh, to many of you, I didn't tell you, I tell you to sort of um, try to get away from that strategy because the real um, effective way to sort of price out the uh, condos when you're trading, looking at them, you need to consider them more like a commodity. Consider them based on, uh, you know, buying oil, uh, excuse me, gasoline or, or any other type of commodity. Now, granted, a lot of people get emotionally attached to their condominiums and they over-improve and they do a variety of things. But generally speaking, the condo pricing is all pretty much the same in a particular building. Um, you know, for instance, you had, you know, five to 10 grand per floor uh, based on how high you go. You simply just keep increasing it. If it's a city view or a premium view versus an inferior view, maybe it's 50 to 75 bucks a square foot. If you're on the ocean, you're probably looking at about $150 a square foot difference. But the point is all of it can be figured out mathematically. Why? because they're all effectively commodities. Now, um, that being said, let's talk about the price per square foot basis in Coral Gables. Average asking price is $4.99 a foot, $4.99 a foot. In 2020, the average transaction price was $3.44 a foot. So you can see that's 45% difference. And um, again, 20% difference is normally something might be brewing, uh, eight to 12%, you tend to get a deal. So you can see from the Gables, in, the, in Coral Gables, the asking price per unit is extremely rich and the asking price per square foot is more reasonable, but it's still rich based on doing deals. Now, in terms of the deals that do occur, um, you know, how long does it take? About an average of 114 days. So a property that's appropriately priced is gonna move in 114 days. The problem is that the units that are on the market today, they've been sitting there an average of 159 days and counting. So you can see uh, from the statistics that Coral Gables is a market that's slightly to the buyer advantage. And it sounds like uh, there's a lot of confident sellers because of the Gables and because of everything that's being read about how strong the market is. But the reality is a little bit different. So um, it's a buyer's market in Coral Gables. And if you are chasing a unit there, I'd encourage you to throw out some offers. Just don't, you know, just maintain your patience and chances are you're going to do okay. So that being said, let's go ahead. We'll take a commercial break. On the other side break, we're going to talk luxury condos. This is Peter Zalewski of the Condo Vultures podcast. Back in 1995, I got my real estate license, but I didn't practice for a number of years simply because I was writing about real estate as a journalist. 2006, I broke out and I launched a company called Condo Vultures. The idea was to try to use information, uh, data, and know-how to try to get the best deals on behalf of buyers. So if you are a buyer and you're looking for a deal, you're looking to try to understand the condo market in the Tri-County, South Florida area, myself or my team are here to help you to get a hold of us. Please call us at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm Peter Zalewski. We're going to talk about luxury condos this segment. Before I do, let's talk a little bit of history of Coral Gables, again, coming from Wikipedia. So here's what it, uh, Wikipedia has to say. Coral Gables is one of, the, one of the first planned communities, and its planning was based on the popular early 20th century City Beautiful movement. It's infamous for its strict zoning regulations. The city was developed by George Merrick during the Florida land boom in the 1920s. The city's architecture is almost entirely Mediterranean revival style, mandated in the original plan, including the Coral Gables Congregational Church, which was donated by Merrick. The Dome Catholic Church of the Little Flower was built somewhat later in similar Spanish Renaissance style. By 1926, the city covered 10,000 acres and had netted uh, $150 million in sales with over $100 million spent on development. Merrick meticulously designed the downtown commercial district to be, one, to be only four blocks wide and more than two miles long. The main artery bisected the uh, business district. Merrick could boast that every business in Rural Gables was less than a two block walk. The city used to have an electric trolley system, which was replaced by the popular modern automobile, but now a new 
uh, free circular trolley system initiated in November 2003 runs down Ponce de Leon. So that's a little bit of history about Coral Gables. We'll talk a little bit about more history in Coral Gables in the upcoming segments. But for this segment, we're going to talk about luxury condos. Currently, there's about 39 luxury condos on the market. And what is a luxury condo? It's a unit price for a million dollars or more. Now, how do we come up with a million dollars or more number? Um, it's arbitrary. We decided that um, you know luxury for us was a million dollars or more, seven figures. So something priced at $999,999, that's not luxurious based on our definition. Now, what is the right definition for luxury? No one knows because luxury doesn't really exist. It's all in basically in the eye of the beholder as the cliche goes. I will tell you, if someone's selling, they're gonna claim because they want a higher price that everything is luxurious. And if someone's buying, they're gonna claim whatever the product is, it's not luxurious because they don't wanna pay a premium for it. So again, luxury is up to whatever you decide and for our purposes we're saying a million dollars or more is luxurious anything less than a million dollars is not luxurious so 39 condos listed for at least a million dollars in coral gables right now in 2020 29 traded 29 traded so that's an average of about 2.4 luxury condos trading every month in coral gables so if i take the 2.4 units that trade every month i divide it in 39 that are on the market i'm coming up with 16 months of supply now equilibrium is six months six months again less than six months sellers advantage more than six months buyers advantage now some brokers who work in the uh, luxury condo market they say that because the buyers and sellers in that market have in air quotes more money than God. They don't move quickly. They only move if the uh, if it makes sense for them. So, what these luxuries of brokers will tell you is that you know we actually need 12 months or maybe even 18 months to move a deal because of that um, more money than God concept. If we give the luxury brokers the benefit of the doubt and we say it takes 12 to 18 months, well, what you can see from the Coral Gables uh, current uh, number of listings uh, in terms of supply, 16 months, we are very close to a buyer's market even with the extra time necessary. So. If 12 months is equilibrium for luxury uh, condo market, this is a buyer's market. If 18 months is, then it is a seller's market per se. But what I can tell you is based on the limited number of velocity that occurs in Coral Gables, if you are selling a luxury condo, chances are you're gonna be sitting on it for quite some time before you can actually unload it. Now, in terms of unloading it, what's the average asking price for a unit? Just under $3 million a door, $3 million a door. In 2020, the average transaction price was just under $1.4 million a door, $1.4 million a door. So we're talking about a 112% difference. And uh, as I said in the previous uh, previous segment, 20% difference is when it, uh, a deal might have a possibility of getting done. In 8 to 12% is typically when a deal does get done. So when I see a 112% difference on the average asking price in Coral Gables right now compared to what the units traded for, that tells me that uh, this is a market where the sellers are extremely confident and uh, you know somebody who wants to buy it, in theory, they're going to have to really sort of jack up the price. Now, I'm not saying they should jack up the price, but that's the seller's mentality. Now, what about price per square foot? And again, mentioned it in previous segments, look at luxury condos or look at any condo as a commodity. Average asking price for a luxury condo in the Gables right now, 823 a foot. But in 2020, the units traded for 535 a foot, about a 54% difference in terms of the asking price versus the average transaction price. And um, as mentioned, 20% difference, it gets interesting, 8 to 12% deal gets done. Now those condos that are on the market, um, they've been sitting there 222 days and counting. And in, in 2020, the units that traded, how many days did it take? 128 days. So you can see if a unit is priced appropriately, it's probably gonna move relatively quickly. And if it's not priced appropriately, it's gonna languish on the market market 
over, um, you know, with, with an asking price that, that's over and above what the regular market is. So at some point, either the seller comes down or the buyer is going to be forced to go up. But in the meantime, it's basically just a standoff. It's a stalemate. But that is a luxury condo market in Coral Gables, which at this point looks like to be a buyer's market at the, at the very least. So we're going to take a commercial break. The other side break, we're going to get into the distressed market. After a one-year hiatus due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we're bringing back the condo correction tours. I'm Peter Zalewski, the host of this podcast. I'm also the one who will be leading these tours. These are three-hour tours where we go to a particular neighborhood. We walk the neighborhood. We talk about market conditions. We look and talk about buildings. We also talk about what's going on in those particular buildings. Everyone who attends the tour, uh, they're given a handout talking about the, what's the current state of that particular market from a buyer as well as a seller perspective. It's real heavy on the information in terms of the handout, but it's also really uh, interesting and insightful based on the stories behind the buildings and how they are performing. So I encourage you, if you're in the market for a condominium, if you're trying to work to get listings of a condominium, this is probably a tour that you want to uh, take. It's straight talk, much like our podcast, and chances are you're going to enjoy it. You're probably going to want to attend all of the tours going forward. To get a schedule, of our upcoming tours, please go to condovultures.eventbrite.com. Again, condovultures.eventbrite.com. Welcome back to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm Peter Zalewski. We're going to talk to stress condos for this particular segment. But let me give you a little bit of background history about uh, Coral Gables coming from Wikipedia before we do get started. So back in 1925, roughly simultaneously to the founding of Coral Gables, the University of Miami was constructed on 240 acres of land just west of U.S. Route 1, approximately two miles south of downtown Coral Gables. By the fall of 1926, the first class of 372 students enrolled at the university and that's kind of the funny part though so the University of Miami which has a lot of notoriety in sports because of what's happened what has happened with the Miami Hurricanes football team as well as the uh, baseball team it's actually located in the city of Coral Gables so um, you know try to figure that one out but um, <laughs> that being said let's uh, let's talk distrust now when you are working with a realtor and you're trying to figure out um, uh, what the distrust market is and how to go after it you, you need to understand the difference in the type of product that's out there that's deemed distrust so one type of product is called a short sale. The other type of product is called a bank owned or a real estate owned or an REO. Now the REO stands for a category that bankers use once they take title to a property through the foreclosure process. Now a short sale is a situation where you ha there is a borrower um, who owns a property. They took out a loan from a bank and lo and behold, that borrower wants to sell the property, but the borrower owes more on the property than the place is actually worth. So in a situation like that, what the borrower would do is they'll try to bring in a buyer. That borrower can find a buyer and uh, agree to a price with the buyer. They'll then approach the lender and they'll ask the lender to s simply um, accept the payment that's short of what's due. And by doing so, the lender um, therefore would allow the seller to get out of the property and avoid a foreclosure process, which is going to take nine to 12 months minimum. It's typically going to be thousands of dollars and potentially how the scenario plays out. Uh, it could also um, mean a property is turned over to the lender without any kind of damage or any kind of repairs that are going to be necessary. So that's kind of the incentive as to why a bank might consider doing a short sale with a borrower who's trying to sell and is basically upside down or underwater on their property. Now, the other alternative is called a real estate owned or an REO or a bank owned. In that scenario, the borrower basically loses 
loses the property, the bank goes through the foreclosure process. Uh, it's a court process. And at the end of the day, the bank ends up with the property. Bank has to then turn around and figure out how to sell the property and get back um, some portion of the amount of money that was owed to the institution. So that's an REO. So let's talk about what's going on overall in the distressed market. There's currently only one unit available that's distressed in Coral Gables in all of 2020. You only had four units trade, only four units traded um, the entire year. So it's not a big, robust market. It's the type of a market where if you are playing distress and you're looking at the gables and something pops up, you probably want to move sooner rather than later simply because it's a desirable area and you got a lot of people sort of sitting on the sidelines waiting to pounce as soon as that opportunity arises. Now, in terms of what's available, let's look at short sales first um, in terms of the market. That is the one unit that's for sale. There's a short sale available in Coral Gables. The average uh, or the asking price on that unit is about $399,500, $399,500, and that works out to an average of two ninety five a foot 295 a foot and the place has been on the market about 18 days in 2020 zero short sales sold zero short sales sold therefore it's really hard to, well it's impossible to figure out what the supply is now in terms of bank owned properties no bank owned condos are currently on the market in coral gables however i will tell you in 2020 four units traded and the four units that traded they shared an average of two hundred eighty six thousand five hundred dollars per unit two eight six five hundred and the units um uh, on a price per square foot basis um the units traded an average of 256 a foot 256 a foot and that reo those REOs that did sell, they sold in 90 days, 90 days. So again, a place that's appropriately priced, it's going to move. There are buyers waiting in the wings looking to sort of take it down. In terms of supply of REOs, there is none because nothing is currently on the market. So that's the distrust market in Coral Gables. We'll take a commercial break and then we're going to get into the rental market. This is Peter Zaluski of the Condo Vultures podcast. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And I wanted to alert you that if you have a property that you're looking to sell in the Tri-County, South Florida area, I would encourage you to reach out to Jenny Hortus, a licensed real estate broker with CVRRealty.com. She's my partner. She's been in the business for uh, north of 15 years. More importantly, she knows the market. She knows how to get a deal done. And she also realizes that it's more important to get a price that you can accept and sell the property rather than to hold firm on some price that's never going to be achieved and ultimately languish on the market. So if you're looking to do a deal that you want a skilled expert who can help you sell a property, reach out to Jenny Hortis at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or visit her website, cvrrealty.com. If you're listening to this podcast, think about who else is. If you want to reach that crowd, which tends to be investors, buyers, developers, lenders, why not advertise on the Condo Vultures podcast? To do so, give us a call at the office, 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Welcome back to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm Peter Zalewski. I was telling you in the previous episode that um, Coral Gables is, a area, is an area where a lot of foreign national um, or international co companies, corporations, they like to set up a satellite office because they're doing business in Latin America and the Caribbean, and they want quick access to Miami International Airport, as well as the infrastructure and the quality of life that exists in Coral Gables. And as an example of these um, multinationals that actually exist, according to Wikipedia, several countries, they actually operate their consulates in Coral Gables, including Barbados, Colombia, El Salvador, Italy, Peru, Spain, uh, Monaco, St. Lucia, and Uruguay. Several other countries have honorary consulates located in the Gables, including Australia, Belize, Hungary, Senegal, St. Kitts and Nevis, Togo, and Thailand. In addition, the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office 
in Miami of the Republic of uh, China, it's actually located in Coral Gables as well. So you can see the Gables is a place where a lot of international uh, types like to be. Um, they like the houses, they like the schools, and they like the close proximity to both Greater Downtown Miami. They like the access to Coconut Grove, which is a Bohemian neighborhood, but more importantly, Miami International Airport. Now let's talk about um, the rental market. Now, many of you who are listening to this probably aren't interested in the rental market. Uh, you want to buy a condo or either to live in it or have it as a second home or whatever the case may be. Well, sometimes situations change like the pandemic has taught us and suddenly you need to adjust on the fly and knowing what the rental market is can at least give you some sort of peace of mind. Um, so um, let's talk rentals. In the rental market, there's a couple things to keep in mind. Well, first and foremost, the information that's out there is extremely unpredictable and I would say not even reliable. And what do I mean by that? Well, when you do a real estate transaction for where there's a deed that's transferred or like a purchase of a condo, there's gonna be a document that's recorded with the government and taxes are gonna be paid. When someone does a lease, that does not occur. And because of the fact that that does not occur, the information that's out there is effectively hearsay. There's nothing that's forcing the rental information to be made available like it is for the the um, the, tra the sales the the transactions that are done that way so that's the first thing to keep in mind second thing to keep in mind is in order to put a property in the multiple listing service remember that database that realtors use remember realtors is a club where real estate um, people with a real estate license they join the club and they get to use the database so when a realtor puts a property in the multiple listing service that's effectively what a lot of people refer to as um, uh, listings now what happens is when you get into a building or buildings uh, for instance where you see a signs in front saying, um, you know, move in special, three months free rent. If you lived here, you'd be home already. That type of situation, many of those units are not going to be uh, factored into what's currently listed. Many of those would be considered unlisted or sh unlisted product or shadow inventory. And why is that? Well, it has to do with the commissions. It has to do with the commissions. Typical commission, and everything's negotiable, but typical commission for a rental in um, South Florida is going to be 10% of the gross annual rent. So that means if a rent is going for $1,000 a month and you got 12000 12 months in a year, you got $12,000 in gross rent. As a result of that, the two brokers who are involved, one on the landlord side, one on the tenant side, um, they're going to split 10%, which in this circumstance would be about $1,200, leaving the landlord left with about $10,800. So it's one thing if you're an individual and you have one or two or three properties and you don't want to go through the hassle or you don't know how to do it, um, you use a realtor. If you are an entity that owns 300 units, are you really going to want to pay 10% of your rent on each of those 300 units out? And the answer is no. So what happens is many of those buildings, those corporate-owned properties, uh, many of them are owned by uh, entities called real estate investment trusts or REITs. Uh, they simply hire their own people in-house, and um, you know they'll have one or two people. They'll, they'll give them you know 35, 40 grand a year. They give them some health benefits. The people basically just handle all the leasing in that particular building. So as a result, no realtors are used, and because realtors are not used, the information doesn't make it into the MLS. And as a result, that information is called shadow inventory. It's all unlisted. So keep that in mind when you're checking out rental data and you're hearing about something. It doesn't necessarily reflect what's really going on because there's all the other supply that's out there where deals are getting done and nobody can really figure out what's going on simply because there's no recording mechanism that's necessary that can be official and arbitrary in order to um, give you a sense of what's going on. So that's definitely something important to uh, keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind is typically a renter wants to be in a location they want to pay a, an amount of rent. They don't necessarily, um, you know, they're not going to focus as much as somebody who's going to buy on the interiors, on the 
on the uh, you know the creature comforts that maybe somebody looking to purchase with an idea of being there five or ten or even longer years um, will will um, uh, require. So what you tend to find is a renter wants to be in a location, they want to pay a rent, and they'll accept other alternatives. Now a buyer tends to have a particular shopping list of what they need, and therefore they'll tend to and a price, and they'll give up their location in order to sort of achieve everything. And what that often means is heading way out west to the suburbs where land is cheaper. Uh, but so is the but the congestion is much greater, much greater. So as a result of that, when I talk about the rental data, I'm going to include apartments, condos, efficiencies, multifamily, and townhouse um, type of product. Why? Because people want to pay a certain particular type of rent to be in a particular area, and that's really what we're sort of tracking here. So rental market, what's available? About 144 places are available for rent. About 144 in 2020. How many released? 786. 786. So that means you got about 66 units were leased every month in Coral Gables. So if I take the 66 units that were leased every month in Coral Gables, I divide it into what's currently on the market, which is 144. I'm coming up with just over two months of supply. Now equilibrium is six months. So that means this should be a um, landlord's market. So the landlord should be able to sort of uh, you know dictate any and everything uh, in terms of what price to look up. So let's see if the pricing actually bears out what the uh, supply statistics suggest. Now, when we get into the um, the rental data, uh, another important thing to keep in mind is the rental data um, is, is really sort of challenging. I've told you it's unreliable. One of the reasons it's challenging is that it includes furnished and unfurnished units. It includes units that are available uh, for rent per day, per week, per month, per year. So it's so convoluted, I would tell you, unlike the previous segments when we were talking average, when you get into rentals, talk about median. Talk about that number that's right in the middle. Now, is it the perfect scenario? No, but it is gonna give you some sort of sense of what's going on. I gave you the disclaimer that um, you know the statistics aren't that reliable, but this at least gives you an idea. It's the equivalent of licking your finger, holding it up and see which way the wind is blowing, but it's at least it's better than nothing. So uh, on a price per door basis, price per unit basis, Per month, uh, the median asking price about two grand a month. Two grand a month in 2020. How much did places rent for? 1850. 1850. What's the difference? About eight percent. Remember what I told you, 20% difference, it gets interesting, 8 to 12% of the deal gets done. So you can see the places that are priced um, right now, they're priced to lease. So you say, well, Peter, why would they price it to lease if there's only two months of supply? Well, the reason they're doing that is generally speaking, you've got a lot of corporate product, the shadow inventory, which I referenced, remember, they have uh, uh, in-house listing or leasing agent, and they don't want to pay the commission, so therefore it's not in the MLS. So that's why when you see a price being very similar with the, you know, what the median is versus what they're asking, that suggests that should suggest that lo and behold the market isn't as strong as uh, some people will lead you to believe. Now, on a price per square foot basis, median asking price per square foot in Coral Gables for rental is two thirty-eight a foot. Two thirty-eight a foot. Uh, if you look at what places rent for in twenty twenty, rent it for two oh nine a foot. Two oh nine a foot. About a fourteen percent difference. Again, if the rental market was as strong as um, everybody would lead you to believe it is, the asking price should be much higher um, uh, than thirteen point nine percent, effectively, or fourteen percent. Um, difference. And then finally, days on the market. Um, those rentals that are, are on the market, they've been there um, on a median basis about 50 days on the market. In 2020, the place that leased, uh, they leased in 48 days, 48 days. So if there's only 2.2 months of supply and it typically takes 48 days to lease and these units are on the market for 50 days, that suggests that again, the market is not as strong as someone would lead you to believe. And why is that? That's because of the amount of new corporate owned properties that had been put up. Uh, again, those are the ones with signs in front and guys holding chicken outfits and flipping signs trying to tell you to move in special brand new unit um, you know three months free rent so um, just a little bit about the uh, rental market now 
That is the rental market in general. That's an overview of the Coral Gables condo market. I want to remind you, if you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, please go ahead and and, um, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like what we're doing, leave us a rating and a comment. The more ratings and comments we get, the more likely we are to um, um, spread our message and move towards accomplishing our mission, which is bringing straight talk to an overhyped real estate market. And then finally, if you have any comments for us, if you want to compliment, if you want to criticize, ask a question, make a statement, send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. Until next time, I want to thank you for listening. I'm Peter Zaluski. I hope you stay safe. You get inoculated so we can get back to some sort of normalcy soon. And until next time, ciao, ciao.